Well, guys, it's my privilege to introduce the speaker to you this morning. It's Pastor John Smith. Pastor John has been a pastor uh, of a local church for like 23 years in Long Island, New York. But uh, I think it was around the 2002 time frame, I think it was, that God had called him to step into a different ministry to be a pastor to pastors. And uh, John is the uh, president of uh, Pastor Care, it's called West Michigan. And uh, he is the president and CEO. And uh, he says that stands for Chief Encouragement Officer. And so Pastor John's going to come and share a word with us this morning. And so welcome Pastor John Smith this morning as he comes to share God's word with us. Pastor John. Well, good morning. Man, it is good to see you. I love coming to Reload. You? Yeah, four weeks, that's good. I'm a little over six years and uh, enjoy every single chance I have to be here. And it's a delight when Pastor Tom, a couple weeks ago, said, hey, would you like to speak at Reload again? I said, absolutely. He says, do you have anything on discipleship? I said, absolutely. And so uh, hopefully God's going to say some good things to us today. And uh, just a few minutes ago, I got here much later than I wanted to this morning and handed our great tech guy back there a look at that. He's got it up already. He said he had to convert my PowerPoint into what you use here. He had to do it after they're singing. That guy's good. Let's give him a hand. That's amazing. And so just on January 16th, uh, my board of directors, we had our meeting uh, on Zoom and we changed officially our tagline from Pastor Care West Michigan, which is where we've primarily worked and where we're headquartered in my little ranch house over on Burlingame. And we used the same WM and actually turned it into World Ministry because we're reaching people all over the world at this point. And so I said, well, why don't we acknowledge it in our name? And the WM, West Michigan World Ministry, worked really good. And we're thanking God for that. And see where it's going to take us. And our tagline used to be helping pastors soar. But about three years ago, we changed it to shepherding shepherds and sheep because over the years, I've worked with lots and lots, hundreds of pastors, but also quite a few missionaries, uh, leaders of nonprofit, Christian leaders, and so on. So we just kind of changed that out to shepherding the shepherds and the sheep. And um, I like that more and more every day. So the question for you is, are you surviving or thriving? Now, before you shout your answer out loud, I'd like you to be really honest. Not what you think uh, guys around the table want to hear, but where are you today? Are you closer to the surviving side of the scale? Or you tip it over to the thriving side. Those who would say, now, um, Randy, when you spoke two weeks ago, it sounded like through the COVID stuff, you were far more on the surviving mode. And you're moving into thriving because all that stuff was going on. So anybody that honestly say you're kind of on the surviving mode right now, operating there? Anybody? Few? Okay, good. Like the honesty. And then how many are saying, man, I'm just thriving? Okay, a few of those, and somewhere in between must be everybody else. <clears throat> and 
that's pretty real, I think. So here's a couple of uh, definitions I got from somebody. It says, surviving is a grim struggle. You're white-knuckling life just barely getting by. Or thriving is living and thinking abundantly. Surviving's a drag, a daily slog to stay alive. Or thriving is joyful and infectious. And a lot of times, it's up to the choices we make. We get to choose our attitude every day, no matter what we're dealing with. And God says, why don't you just choose to be joyful? You're going to have a much better day, no matter what you're thinking, what you're experiencing, if you make a good choice. So what keeps us from thriving? Number one, I think, is fear. Bad habits. Lies of Satan. He is really good at lying and getting us to believe the wrong stuff about ourselves. The adversities and stresses of life. Isolation. Man, when you get confined to your house and you can't do anything and you're not supposed to be with people and you have to wear a mask and all this stuff that's, say, 6 or 10 or 12 or 100 feet away, depending on how paranoid people are, it gets really challenging. But I would put maybe at the top of the list, even though it's at the bottom of this list, lack of authentic, deep relationships. That's what I love about Reload. The guys around table five, we get really close over the years. And I think that happens around every one of these tables, and we need to continue doing that. And I would propose that we all need mentors. I don't know if you're all like me, but one just isn't enough. I need a lot more help than that. So I need a multitude of mentors in my life, and I've been blessed with some really great ones over the years, and I continue to seek them out. You know who my favorite mentor is? Jesus. Yeah, good. He's really, really good at it. And he's incredibly patient. And he's unbelievably wise and he knows exactly what I need and he always delivers and he never lets me down. So if you're going to choose a mentor and you can only choose one, I recommend choose Jesus. He's the best one I know. And uh, in many situations, it's like everything we need. But Jesus is also gracious enough to understand that he'll share the mentor role with other brothers in Christ and we can invite them into our lives to do so. So here's a quick definition from my perspective. Um, what is discipleship? Pretty simple. It's doing whatever Jesus tells you to do. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And then how would you define Christian maturity? Well, I'll give you a clue has nothing to do with how old you are, has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian, has everything to do with the length of time it takes between when you know what God told you to do and you actually do it. So you can be just a couple of days old in Christ, but if he tells you to do something and you do it right away, you are really advancing in your maturity. Whereas maybe you've been a believer for a long, long time, but God tells you to do something, and it takes you a long time, if ever, to get around to doing it, you need to grow a little bit more in your maturity. 
Erwin McManus, pastor of Mosaic Church out in L.A., was the one I got that definition from. And um, I remembered it all these years. One of the best, I think, I've ever gotten. So January 2020, very early, first or second day of January, God gave me two words. Be prepared. He didn't fully explain it, didn't define it, just gave me the two words. But I got the impression I was supposed to apply it to every aspect of my life. So physically, spiritually, socially, relationally, financially, everything. Get your house in order. Get your life in order. Get your body in order. And I knew that I had some work to do, that I had been eating way too much of the wrong stuff for way too long, and I was a lot heavier than I needed to be or should be, and my joints were testifying to that on a rather daily basis. You know, hips, knees, ankles, feet, all those things that are like, yeah. So I set a goal that I was going to lose at least 50 pounds. Started on January 6th. That's epiphany. New beginnings. Good way to start. It was a Monday. And so I set that goal. And it took me 230 days to lose 50 pounds. It's about 33 weeks. And uh, got a nice little picture there, I think. Yeah. So when you lose 50 pounds, you go to Gordon Foods and you hold 50 pounds of sugar because that's the main thing I had to cut out. Very good visual for me. And then I had to keep going. And then I thought, you know, it would be kind of cool if I could lose 68 pounds because I'm 68 years old. And that would bring me under 200 for the first time in, man, since I was, well, pretty young. Um, So I set the goal for 197. I started at 265 when I started losing. And, And then... Just a few days ago, about a week ago or so, I was out at this um, farm looking at some property and uh, taking pictures. I took a a picture of myself in front of it, had it on a tripod, and at that point, for about 61 days, I had been hovering around the the exactly 200 mark, which was losing 65 pounds, and then I thought, well, what if I could just lose that last three pounds? My wife said, I don't want you to lose anymore. I'm going, what's three pounds? That would get me down to that goal and I'd reach it. And uh, so, sun- oh, there we go. I believe it did. And this Sunday, I actually hit it. So, there we go. So, if you're able to keep track of all that, well, that would be 434 days. Or 14 months, 9 days. And if you're wired it all like me, when you change what you're going to eat, I couldn't just dabble in it, and I couldn't cheat. You know, a lot of things, you know, you got a cheat day, cheat week, whatever. Like, I'm going, man, if I do that, that's just not going to work. So um, it took 434 days without cheating and finally got it. And so now I'm there with 68 pounds of sugar holding it. And fortunately, I still have enough strength to hold it. So we went back uh, Sunday afternoon at Gordon Foods. I didn't even know they were open on Sunday, but Sue checked. So we went back, took a quick picture. And the first one, I had my mask on again. I thought, you know, I'm getting so tired of this. So we waited. There was nobody around us. Took the mask off, loaded up with sugar again, and took one without it. Then you can see my smile. Even though my mask has smiles all over it, um, I thought I would do that way, and that would be right. So. so let me share with you just a little bit about what pasture care is, what we believe. And uh, the first line in our kind of little elevator speech is, we believe every pastor is essential. 
So Pastor Tom, Pastor Tim, Pastor Bernie, Pastor Randy, Pastor Ricky, Pastor Jesse, and any other pastors presently, would you stand up a minute? Right now. Just stand up. And join me in saying, you are essential. You are essential. You are essential. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not. And Pastor Greg, thank you. I really believe that. And I don't care what rank, what position in government or anything else, when they begin saying that you're not essential, I'm going to go with God and say that you are. So we believe every pastor is essential, and we believe Jesus Christ is the only hope for our world. And we believe that every pastor needs a pastor at some point. If you've ever been one, you'll know that. Any pastor I say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we do. We believe the adversities and stresses of life and ministry can become overwhelming. Leaving shepherds and sheep discouraged, cast down, or burned out. When things are going great, shepherds and sheep need someone who is caring, confident, and confidential to brainstorm ideas and discuss strategies with. We believe when Pastor Care walks alongside you as a shepherd guide, we listen as long as it takes, we ask great questions, we encourage, we empower, and protect you so that you thrive as a beacon of hope in your community. And so with that thing, we figured, well, we better get our pictures taken um, where they raise sheep. And we did. So my, my daughter is a professional photographer, and she took that thing. You know, I, I got one of these um, shepherd staff, and when I ordered it from uh, an Amish craftsman, had a choice of a six-foot or an eight-foot. Man, I went for the eight-foot. It uh, just really impressive. Doesn't work so good in my house. I ordered a six-one from around the house, but I thought that just has uh, substance and style. Looks really good and uh, big and impressive. So anyway, yes. So. That way, you know, your reach is just a little bit longer and um, where it goes there. And I didn't realize there's so many different kinds of sheep. Boy, there's a lot of sheep. And, and these one that uh, this lady raises, uh, they're brown and really cute and really fun and furry and, and uh, a little skittish, a little curious. And, and one would just kind of run back around us and then and take off when we were taking that. And, uh, and then this is my wife, Sue, in the next slide there. And... The picture that I, I think is really cute, she doesn't want me to use anymore because when our daughter was taking our pictures, she had her mom just kind of, you know, put her hand on her hip and kind of looked like she was a little sassy. And um, it, was, it was actually fairly accurate, but she just didn't like the way it looked. And uh, so anyway, I, I used it for a while. I said, you know, I really don't like that photo. And I go, okay, I'll put this one. That one had sheep in the background. This has got corn in the background. But anyway, it would make her happy, and um, that's good. So... About uh, four or five years ago, I forget now, I have to go back and check, God led me to make a really wise decision. And what he used was putting in my face all the really bad decisions that I've made. And those were the times when I thought I knew better what God was saying, what we were supposed to do. My wife didn't think it was right. And I persuaded her, I convinced her, so that together we made the decision that I believed was right, and she went along with it. But as it turned out, reflecting back on every one of those times, 
the truth of the matter was she was right and I was wrong. I mean, it just happened over and over and over again and finally going, this isn't working so good. Um, I coach pastors all the time. The number one thing I say is listen to your wife. And I usually said, that's you too, John. And um, I was kind of conveniently applying that when I agreed with it and ignoring it when I didn't. So finally I thought, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. So Sue became my chief discernment officer. Personally and in the ministry, and things have gone so much better. So now I will still connect with people, and, and usually my decisions were trusting the wrong people way too much, and a lot of bad things happened with that. So now if I'm going to partner with anybody to do anything, I says, well, this is the way it works. I'm going to get really involved in your life because that's what I need to do. I'm going to spend time with you, get to know you, your ministry, anything you do, whatever it is, but... I'm not going to commit to anything until my wife has had time with you. And, um, and until she gives me the green light, I'm not committing to anything. That has made such a huge difference because she gets it right every time. And so now we have this agreement. I don't care if you can explain it, articulate it, prove it, demonstrate it. All you have to say is, hmm. Or I'm just not sure. I've got to check in my spirit. So that's it. I, I won't go further. And I can tell you, it was either four or five years ago when I first made that man. You know, next week, it got put to the test big time. And it's been tested many times since. And praise God for his faithfulness. I've passed the test every time. I just have decided I'm going to honor my wife, trust the discernment that God has given her, and go from there. So one of the things that God has led me to through COVID was, anybody else here have blessings from COVID? Yeah, I mean, some really neat stuff happened when he slowed me down enough to listen to him and say, what am I not doing that I need to do and what will work better out of this way of relating to people than when we didn't have rules and restrictions? And out of that came a conversation with a friend of mine over on the other side of the state who uh, pastored a, a very large church over in the Detroit area for like 33, 34 years. We'd been connected through email and stuff over the years. Anyway, he took over another ministry that ministers to pastors because the founder of that had gone home to be with Jesus. And he started putting together these mentoring groups, and he found some materials that were put together by a group called MentorLink International, and it's called Leading Like Jesus. And these were developed 22 years ago with the specific intention that they would be used with small groups of pastors for mentoring groups. And for 22 years, they never were used for that. They were just used with men for discipleship and mentoring and that until uh, Doug Schmidt came around and says, I'd like to use that with pastors. So he's uh, kind of repackaged the original material with their permission. All the content's the same, but it flows easier and better now. And he's using that, gave me permission to use it. And so I've been in the process of recruiting people to serve in one of these groups. So a month or a month and a half ago, I, I sat down with Pastor Jesse and says, do you have any interest in a mentoring group? Oh, my goodness, do I ever. And so anyway, we've got a pastor's group that's going to meet the 
this meeting, the third Thursday morning, so this Thursday we're on, and uh, the way we're setting it up is there are a total of five people in a group. I'll facilitate it and then add four more people in, and so there's four pastors in that group, and then, um, uh, let's see, I know uh, Mike Cooley and I think Rick Heath are back here, and they're very interested in a group. We just need two more guys to fill that one, and that will get going, and that could likely be a first Tuesday or second Tuesday of the month, something like that, from like 9 to 11. So we're going to meet once a month for two hours. And uh, the rule is that it's safe, it's confidential, and uh, what's shared in that group stays in that group because we really want to build those deep, involved relationships with each other where you can be honest and share what's going on. And if you're not, somebody else is going to call you on it. I know I need that if, you know, just the story sounding too good and, and, well, how are you really doing and what about this and I noticed that. Those are the kinds of relationships that we need with each other and want to have, so that's going. And then um, I got another group. I'm sharing some of this because I'm going to invite anybody that wants to to participate in. Um, or if you want to just lead one. Let me know. I'll get you the materials and, and just take off. If you want to do it with family members, do you have any brave men here? It takes a little bit more brave to say, oh, well, yeah, I think I'm going to invite you know, my sons into it or my brothers into it or my dad into it or whatever. Well, I have two sons, and uh, they have both excitedly agreed to be in a small group with me. And... Um, They've also both decided to come into the ministry of pastor care. My son, Matt, lives out in Colorado, and he's going to start a ministry to pastor's sons, which I think is, is uh, just a very exciting thing, hugely needed. In fact, one of our board members, when um, Matt was sharing with them back in January about this, he's a pastor down in Holland and father of five sons. And he says, oh, do I ever wish you had something like that when I was raising my sons. And one of the sons lives in Colorado. We're going to get him connected with Matt. Hopefully he'll launch that this summer. And then my son Andrew um, is off the charts talented in video, filmmaking, production, all special effects of that. And so we're going to start a film division for Pastor Care. And he's going to oversee that and, uh, and our internship training program for that as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. So our group is going to be, um, let's see, I think I got a picture of Matt in there. Yeah, there's Matt with his wife Amanda, home for Christmas, and they gave us that map of the world, which is kind of a cool thing. So you can see he's a, he's a big guy. And then my son Andrew, he's our youngest. I have a daughter, Sarah, then Matt, then Andrew. And that's a picture of him with his two little boys, Liam and Nolan, in his first workshop. All excited about that, and uh, he's going to be helping with the video side of it. Then Dave Guerin, the next photo there, he's the, uh, the secretary of our board of directors, and he's the pastor of Manna Fellowship Church in Holland, father of five sons, as I mentioned. I was on the phone with Dave last night. I would just share this prayer concern. Um, Manna Fellowship is right in downtown Holland, and uh, they bought the old armory, and they've got a fantastic ministry to homeless and addicted and all kinds of other people most churches don't want to commit. And uh, Dave's daily routine is from one crisis to the next crisis to the next crisis to the next crisis to the next crisis. Um, he's 64 years old. He says, you know, I'm, well, what he shared was 
COVID really dramatically impacted their finances. And it's very possible they're going to have to close in two months, which is really sad news to me. And uh, not sure what all his options are, but his salary was cut in half like three years ago. And then they moved it up to two-thirds um, a year ago. But he hasn't had a raise in 10 years, so they're just kind of barely getting by financially on that. And uh, there are some people in town who would love to buy their building. And then I says, well, what's your building worth? He says, well, nothing. Um, it's the property. So they would raise the building and put in parking is kind of the plan. So he's hoping maybe they can negotiate that and maybe give them a year or two to stay there. But it's hard to find a place right in downtown Holland that's big enough for what they need where they can minister if they let go of that property. Anyway, keep Dave in mind. Um, but when I checked with Andrew and, and Matt, I says, okay, we got two open slots. I'm going to give you seven names of possibilities. See if which two come to your head. So Dave was one they chose because, man, they had one of the board members who has five sons. That would be really cool for our small group. They really like that. And then the next name they chose is Mike Lawler. And I got two pictures for Mike. Uh, the first one is the church where I served. We built a memorial garden out in front. Uh, the bell is off the original church that was started in 1866. And under that was a time capsule. And then if you look at the next slide, you'll see the plaque that was put in there. The commemorative garden was donated in love and memory of Sarah Lawler. And she was just a few days old when she went home to be with the Lord. And this garden was um, built in their honor. And Mike is the dad. And uh, Mike uh, has been on Long Island for a long time, just moved to Florida a year ago. And he's very interested in being in one of our groups. He's become one of our donors. And um, so Andrew and Matt are going, wow, if we could have a board member and one of our donors so we just kind of understand how they think, that would be really good. So that's going to be a group of five and obviously on Zoom because of the geography. So it ties them in with somebody from Long Island and um, in ministry and somebody that's going on here. So those are the kinds of things. I share that just in detail to get your mind thinking who would you want to invite into a group? And I would also urge you to be thinking of which people are going to do really well together. There's such a thing as what I call chemistry. You can have really good people, great character, great qualities about them, but the chemistry's just off. Uh, they're just not going to bond on a deep level. So if you're putting a group together, try to think through who the other people are. And, and I know as Christians we should be able to get along with everybody. In a sense, we can. But sometimes you can just go deeper if, if the chemistry, for lack of a better word, is really good. There's like a kindred spirit that's going on, and that will happen. So I would urge you as you're thinking about joining a group or starting a group, keep all those things in mind. So I'll give you an idea of what kinds of things we'll deal with in here. Um, so this is the table of contents. Uh, there's a leader's covenant, introduction, and then I am accountable to Jesus. That's a pretty good way to start your accountability. I will live like Jesus. I will serve like Jesus. I will lead like Jesus. I will develop leaders. I will seek his face. I will seek spiritual fruit. 
I will collaborate. I will faithfully steward money. I will use wineskins to serve. I think that's going to give us some good stuff. So we're going to commit to a year, once a month, for two hours. Uh, The lessons that you read, you can do probably in 10 or 15 minutes, so it's not like you have to read a whole book every month to prepare for it. Really make that manageable and good, and I think that would would really work. So there's a lot of room for that. And uh, so what does a um, shepherd use the staff for? Anybody know? What's that? To herd sheep, yeah. So um, sometimes, from what I'm told, I'm not a shepherd in that sense of the word, but I'm told that sometimes the shepherd will use that staff of the crook on it to take a little sheep and move it over back closer to mom and not touches with his own hands so the sheep doesn't actually reject it. So sometimes that's what they'll use it for. Uh, Sometimes when the sheep are going another way, they're just going to use that to kind of gently guide them. I don't think you're going to see them whack them with it so much as just kind of gently guide them here and there. Or sometimes sheep tend to just kind of wander off and get caught in some thicket and and the brushes, so they might sometimes have to grab them around the neck and pull them out of there. All kinds of ways in which a shepherd could do it. Now, do you remember when you read Psalm 23, does it just simply talk about the staff, or is there another word that goes in there? A rod. And I thought, well, what in the world is a rod? And so I looked it up. I didn't know. Well, basically, it's going to be a little bit like this. Not exactly, but my son Matt made this for me. And I said, do you have anything? He said, yeah. He kind of made it for a cane. And... um, I guess I'm getting old enough that one of these days I I might need that. But basically what it is, is they find a young sapling, they take it, and it's usually got a knot up on the end, and then it fits their hand, probably usually a little bit smaller than this, and then they practice throwing it. The rod usually gets thrown, and if they'll see sheep going the wrong direction, they'll kind of throw it and uh, with great accuracy, and it can go there. Or if they're our wolves coming in or something else will do that. Or I imagine when David fought off both a bear and a lion to protect his sheep, he did it with his rod, and um, probably more so than his staff. And so when you think about it, I was also told that when they're inspecting their sheep, they have really thick wool, so sometimes they'll use their rod to be able to separate a little bit and see what's going down on their skin as there other things. So that might be happening in our groups, too. Sometimes somebody's going to use their rod to just kind of, you know, get in our stuff a little bit and see if there's anything beneath the surface that needs to be exposed and come to the light. Um, And uh, hopefully we won't use it to to beat each other, but we might make a little noise with it and say, hey, danger here. Things are are coming together. So I'm going to share one last thing here, and this is a... Another prized possession that came from my son, Matt, um, he hikes every Saturday out, of the, um, out in the Rocky Mountains, and he loves to kind of make these walking sticks. And so a few years ago for Christmas, this was my gift from him, and then he used a wood burner to put some words on there that he thinks of what he thinks of me. So on the top it says, John Wesley Smith, and... I say this in all humility. This just really makes me um, pretty emotional. But the first one is my hero. 
Then it goes strong, leader, honesty, friendship, integrity, funny. That's a good one. Your kids think you're funny. Um, huge heart. And I think that's it. So whenever I go hiking, just think about that's good. Maybe I did something right. I know I made a lot of mistakes, but investing in our kids, really important. Investing in other men, really important. Being a godly person to the best of our ability is what God is asking for from us. And I really believe I'm going to grow more through every one of these groups that I participate in. And I didn't want to just call it a mentoring group. That's what Doug are calling his, but I'm going... I need to just tweak that a little bit. So these are going to be called mutual mentoring groups because I believe every person in the group is going to be mentoring every one of the other people in the group. And those are my favorite kind of mentoring relationships where I learn from the other person, they learn a little bit from me, and we go together on that. And so I think that is what we're going to do. So I have some three-by-five cards over here, a couple pens. If you're interested, and I have several of these booklets, and I'll get more. And I'm getting 12 of these in Spanish for Pastor Jesse. So if you know anybody that would want them in Spanish, I can get them printed that way as well. And I just need a final count. And however many of these we get, I'll get those printed. So see me afterward, fill out a three-by-five card. Just give me your name, address, phone number, email, and um, we'll go from there. So thank you very much. God bless you.